and we had a good group of friends there. Yeah, otherwise so, you have gone into depression. So. Exactly. <laughs> so now many years down the line, we're able to look back at those times mm. and laugh about it. Um, so while Inki has um, gone into the world of aesthetic medicine, I'm currently doing my specialization training in psychiatry. Okay, good. So now let's go deeper into, um, into the topic that we want to talk about. So what, what is the difference between feeling sad and feeling depressed? Okay, so which one of us has never had a down day, right? We all have some certain fluctuations in our mood, a couple of days that we feel sad. We've all had that major breakup. We've all had the loss of a loved one. Um, uh, sometimes we fail our exams. So naturally, all this will make us feel really down and sad. So perhaps, yeah, for a couple of days, you feel that you don't want to meet with anyone. Um, yeah, maybe you, you find you just want to stay home and sleep. But after a few days, you find that you're back on track again. Uh, you're back to your work, you're back to your usual activities, you're hanging out with your friends again. But clinical depression is something which is much more deep-rooted. So the depressed mood is there for most days and uh, uh, throughout uh, most of your day. And uh, it's also associated with uh, losing interest in your whatever made you happy in the past. So um, you're not engaging in your hobbies, um, you're not doing the fun things that you used to do, which used to make you happy before. And a lot of other uh, associated symptoms such as changes in your sleep pattern. You find that you're either having difficulty to sleep or you're sleeping too much. Uh, changes in your appetite. You find that you either don't feel like eating at all or you're just binge eating, overeating. Um, you have problems focusing, concentrating on your tasks, on your work. Um, you have uh, you feel tired and lethargic a lot of the time. Um, there are also times when you feel really worthless. There's a lot of guilt feeling, a lot of hopelessness, um, and of course, um, ultimately, it can reach the most severe point where you feel that this life is not worth living. I can't look be beyond this shroud that is, you know, just kind of enclosing me, and you start having thoughts of death and wanting to end your life. So in psychiatry, of course, we have certain um, technical um, um, criteria that we have. So to say that someone is clinically depressed, you, uh, you would have these sort of symptoms going on for um, at least two weeks for you to say that you're clinically depressed. Okay. So, um, so actually, you know, when it comes to so sadness, depression, um, <coughs> I think what Dr. Koini says, right? Um, all of us, we actually go through some amount of sadness. It's normal to be sad. It's normal to be sad. I think on a daily basis, uh, we would have some kind of sadness. But this sort of like low emotion, um, I think, has a, a different degree. So from sadness, um, even that lousy feeling of disappointment, yeah. frustration, stress. But I think one of the very interesting things that we as, or at least the normal people would say is, whenever any of those happens, whether it's just stress, frustration, disappointment, or even sadness, the one thing that goes through um, uh, a person's mouth very easily is, oh, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. I'm depressed, bro. I'm depressed. <laughs> we use the word depressed like as though it was, you know, 
excuse me. I, I think we use the word depressed more than we say excuse me to someone or yeah, or, to someone. Or, or even say sorry or thank you. Yeah, yeah. Probably we say less. I could depress. Yeah, depressed. Sedih lah. Mati lah. Yeah. So. I think today would be great if uh, we we address that. I mean, when's the last time you were sad, sad, sad? I'm sad all the time. Every time, every time I go back, I open my bank account and say, "Oh my god, I'm sad. I'm depressed." No lah, like joking, joking, joking. But I mean, feeling sad. I think everyone has. You know, I think everyone feels sad some point in life. Almost. It's it it's a regular thing. If you don't feel sad, then you can't differentiate happiness. Yeah. Right. So to in a, in in order to 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 feel happy, you need to know what is unhappy or 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 what is sadness. But of course, I think the the thing that we are actually looking at now is what is beyond sadness. Why are people chronically sad? You know, why do they feel like life is not worth living, or why do they feel like the the whole world is against them? Um, I think lately we saw a lot of news whereby all these actors and actresses they took their own lives. Whether it's in Bollywood, mm-hmm. whether it's in uh, K drama, I mean Korea, yeah. yeah, even you know even famous DJs like Vichy took their own life at such a tender young age. Even though it seemed like they have everything going for them, great career, mm-hmm. money, they have the looks, they have everything that people would kill for or die for, but yet. These people are still sad, and so they are sad to the point. To yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 True, 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 true. True. Now, so these people are sad to the point whereby they decide, you know what? I want to take one life. You know, I just want to end everything. You know. So why is that? Why? I mean, you you must have come come across a lot of people who are suicidal. So listening to you just now, there are actually a few things that we can talk about. From from what you said just now, so um, the first thing was about um, why is it that uh, we find uh, more and more people are getting depressed, right? Uh, that's one. And why does it seem like people who have so many things going good for them, uh, we're so surprised to see that they're taking their lives. So this is when it's important to know um, what depression is all about, really. So uh, that's why we have to treat each patient or each person holistically. When we say holistically, there are uh, several things that uh, um, make up a person. So we look into the biological factors. What are the biological factors in a person that would increase their risk of being depressed? What are their psychological issues that, uh, that could be leading to their depression? What is it in their social life, in their environment, that is leading to them being depressed? So these are all the factors that we need to take into consideration when we talk about depression. So that's very important to know. And when we talk about, uh, okay, these high-profile people seem to be ending their lives. Why? So depression really knows no gender, no socioeconomic status. It can affect anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. It's uh, across the board, men, women, children, adults, mm-hmm. older adults, everyone can be affected by this. So it's important to, for us to, to uh, acknowledge that it is a really a very real illness. Yeah. How young um, do you see depression or, or how, as, at what stage would depression start to manifest itself or start to show these telltale signs? Mm-hmm. Um, 
sort of like you know uh, severe sadness mm -hmm. or severe frustration, showing um, some amount of symptoms before they become um, clinical depression. Okay, so um, uh, like I said earlier, even. Uh, children, adolescents, yes, uh, can be affected by it. So um, the data is a bit varied uh, when it comes to children and adolescents, right? And uh, what we must understand is that at every stage in our lives, we have different um, uh, challenges, right? So children, uh, generally the data shows that um, prepubertal children, maybe the percentage is a bit lower. But as you hit your early teens, it keeps getting higher. When you reach your late teens into your young adulthood, it's getting higher and higher. Uh, but of course, at the same time, experiences that you have as a child, as you grow up, all kind of relate to um, your social makeup, uh, your, your, uh, how you deal with your problems when you're older, how you cope. So yes, uh, the general trend is that yes, we do see younger children coming in nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, but um, of course, uh, yeah, all of them, we have to look at them holistically, what are their issues, uh, try and address them as early as we can. Mm -hmm. There's some interesting statistics uh, that we managed to pluck out. Mm -hmm. uh, these were actually statistics from, from Malaysia, mm -hmm. uh, where they did uh, studies uh, from teenage onwards to adulthood mm. and it's a bit scary to actually read one in five is anxious one in ten is stressed and you're right between the uh, boys and girls you know minimal changes both either in ideation yes, plan yeah. attempt um, and it goes on to show uh, quite interestingly like this one shows uh, the kind of uh, uh, teenage problems mm. that they would have yeah. um, from physical abuse to mm. verbal abuse. It's a bit of an interesting trend to see that, you know, verbal abuse just goes on the same, maybe all the way into adulthood. <laughs> well, anything and anything. Well, I think, I think a verbal abuse currently, it, it just continues on. Mm. Um, people used to make fun of you um, in real life, mm. you know, when they see you in person. Nowadays, people can make fun of you even if they don't see you in person. So yeah, and cyberbullying, social media, they can post nasty things about you or even talk behind your back. Right. This one is also very interesting because it shows those from uh, Form 1, Form 5, our formative years yeah. of behavior, uh, whereby we start to get um, our own personality and they show that you know those in the younger age group, Form 1, would actually get bullied more as compared to Form 5 and sometimes as silly as being made fun of how your body or face looks. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how accurate the study is but I probably would recall that if uh, Form 1 would probably be more of adjustment, you know. Um, some of us are going from one school to another school. Mm -hmm. right. uh, not, not all of us will go, you know, transition from primary and secondary yep. in the same school with all your same friends. Yep. So when you go in, I would think that adjustment could be a bit more sure. um, stressful. Mm -hmm. Stressful. And then by the time you hit from five, you're actually bullying other people. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, if, if I remember my secondary school, uh, yes, uh, one of the easiest ways to pick on someone is to make fun of their physical form, mm. whether they're overweight, whether they're tall, whether they're short, whether whether they're dark, they're light skin, that's the most easiest thing to pick up. And a lot of times, kids being kids, you never know what is, you, you do not know what you're saying will cause other people to be, you know, to, to be sad or affected. You just, you just do it for the sake of 
being cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you you do it for the sake of wanting to click in the in 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 a group to 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 want to be accepted, mm-hmm. and then hence you you know you end up just bullying people. Mm-hmm. So this is um, layers and layers of our society of our uh, growing up childhood into adolescence. These are some of the challenges that we face, which is why it's very important to talk about these things, mm-hmm. to talk about the struggles that children have at school. The struggles that teenagers have um, in friendships, you know, that's the time you meet new people, you want to have new um, uh, experiences, you want to travel, you want to see the world, you want to learn. So that's why it's very important for parents to be very aware what's happening with their kids, what's happening with their children. I think we should come away from our traditional um, Asian cultures, I would mm. say, of not talking about these things, <coughs> of no question, you just listen to me. Or, or if you ask anything, or, um, uh, or, or if you come home and you have a problem, uh, someone is bullying you at school, and you're told to just toughen up, and um, you know, it's just, a, it's just the way it is, uh, don't bother, or you, know, you just kind of sweep it under the carpet. So all these things, we don't realize, have a very heavy psychological impact on our kids, and how they're going to grow up, and how they're going to be throughout their adulthood. At the same, at the same time, um, Dr. Cohen, do you notice um, any kind of trend whereby maybe there's a certain surge in the amount of depression, whether it's uh, self-diagnosis or, uh, or is it just purely that realization is much better now? I ask this only because if, if we look at this. Uh, these are articles that are published in, in magazines and even uh, papers or even on the internet mm-hmm. and when they talk about this they, they call depression as a mental illness mm-hmm. and I think the connotation is quite heavy mm-hmm. when you say someone is mental just because you are having any of these symptoms which includes feeling sad or down withdrawal from friends activities major changes in your eating habits extreme mood changes of high and lows and feeling guilt or worries. I, I ask this because on a daily basis, I feel four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you need to see someone. <laughs> you need to see someone. I'm talking to one. Yeah. 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 It is good. I'm talking to one right now. So that's the thing. Um, number one about mental illness. I think, um, like you said, it seems like a very strong kind of wording, right? But to a certain extent, we have to acknowledge that yes, it is an illness, you know? So it's not just your weakness of character. So we have to, number one, acknowledge that yes, it's an illness, and try to normalize that, you know, and normalize talking about it. So, um, like you say, you feel four out of five, right? So if you feel four out of five, what do you do the next step? Because I do get certain uh, patients coming in when they say, oh, you know, I saw the Dascord online and I took it and I scored high for anxiety or depression and they come in. So I feel that whatever it is, we should never dismiss um, how someone is feeling, mm-hmm. uh, whether they feel they have a real problem or not. If they're taking that test, maybe it was for a reason. Or it could be they just decided, like, oh, hey, let's, there's a test going on. Let's, let me just try it out and see what the result is. But the next step would be um, confirming it, mm-hmm. or rather getting the proper um, education about it. 
So am I really depressed or not? Am I really having something? Are there things about me I don't realize some people feel that way? Mm -hmm. But that would be the second step. So you take, these are just screening methods, mm -hmm. right? Most of, sometimes you flip through a, a beauty magazine and you mm -hmm. find this kind of screening, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, 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 that's right. right? So um, what you do next is you seek professional help, mm -hmm. okay? Because these are just to screen, mm -hmm. but whether you are actually depressed or anxious, uh, have any other form of uh, mental illness, uh, do seek professional help so that they can see you in a clinical setting and then you can decide. Because um, four out of five, you say, you feel. <laughs> so there are um, different severities of depression, mild, moderate, severe, right? So hopefully not. <laughs> But you know, we do have to remember that some people do have a little bit True. of mild depression. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, counseling. So now on to the topic of counseling. Mm. So in most Western countries, mm. well, or more or more developed countries, whenever you have a slight issue if in work or in school, they send you to a counselor. Right. All right. However, here there is no um, there is no habit or there's no culture to, to go counseling. So how important is counselling in identifying or to curb this depression issue? Okay, so in recent years actually, I find that a lot of uh, educational institutions, be it our government schools, uh, private schools, international schools, and colleges and universities, actually all, almost uh, many of them, I would say many of them uh, that I've seen, actually do have counsellors mm -hmm. um, in the facility itself mm -hmm. so um, I think that's a good step mm -hmm. that's a good step that yes these services are available mm -hmm. because what we want is to more and more empower more and more people to help each other mm -hmm. so we want to hopefully reach a point where yes of course uh, seeing a psychiatrist or psychologists yes the professional help but for us to be able to support one another mm -hmm for people in society to look out for one another, to, to, um, to understand mm -hmm. what depression is, what you can do, how you can help, mm -hmm. how you can help yeah. yourself, how you can help others. So I think if the trend is moving towards that, it will be a very good yeah. one. Should going to a psychiatrist be something like going to a dentist? <laughs> You know, like a six monthly visit, a one year yearly visit, because like mo you know, most of us go to go go to dentist like maybe once every three or four years, and at a time you know you have you already have issues. You know, your the teeth are falling off, gingivitis and stuff like that. Should we go? So all this is it. Please come and see us every six months, just to make sure your teeth don't fall off. So uh, wait, your your psychiatrist is calling you. Yeah, yeah. So should. People actually start going to psychiatrists. Yeah, exactly. Should, should people start going to a psychiatrist just like a six monthly thing or one yearly thing just to make sure that their mental health is in check? Um, well, what do you think? I think uh, not necessarily. Like I said earlier, we're trying to empower mm -hmm. society, mm -hmm. the community at large to be there for each other. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, another thing is um, uh, what is the role of a psychiatrist, right? So it will, when you see a psychiatrist, yes, they help you um, figure out, yes, do I have uh, what is called clinical depression or not? 
um, and then what are the treatment modalities that they can offer. So when we look into that, so counsellors, they have a certain job scope. Mm-hmm. Psychologists have a certain job scope. So when it comes to psychiatrists, yes, we too have. And um, so sometimes people ask me, what is the difference between a psychologist and, and a psychiatrist? Uh, psychiatrist. So a psychologist that does a lot of therapy, a lot of psychotherapy. Psychiatrists do that as well, but of course we have uh, the ability to prescribe medications as well. Right? So um, I think uh, seeking uh, uh, psychiatry help, um, whenever you feel that, yes, something is not right with uh, pertaining to depression itself, uh, another thing about depression is that when you find that all those uh, symptoms I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. are actually getting in the, in the way of your functioning, then you know that something is really wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're, you can't complete your task at work, your exam, your grades are going down, right? you don't, you're not even mixing with people anymore. So if it reaches that point, then yes, certainly you need to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Does depression follow somebody? If they have clinical depression, does it follow them lifelong? Okay, so depression is very treatable, mm-hmm. right? So we have to view it like any other illness in the world, right? Uh, it's an illness, therefore there is intervention, there is medication for it, there is treatment for it, not necessarily just medication, there is treatment for it. So with the proper holistic approach, with the proper treatment, be it therapy, be it medication, be it a combination, mm-hmm. certainly someone can get back to uh, uh, functioning well, mm-hmm. doing well in their life. Certainly, many patients remain in uh, in recovery, in mm-hmm. remission for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those who just join us, we are talking about depression. Um, of all the many, many different aspects of it. Um, Dr. Inky, do you, have you been depressed before? As in like, <laughs> I've been sad. Okay, now, depression, well, this is something which I've almost never shared. Um, of course, there, there were times, especially when, when times were hard, when you think to yourself, is there an easy way out of it? That means example, if I were to end my life now, would it make things easier for me? Or would it actually make things harder for people around me that I love? But of course, I've never really gotten to, to that particular point, right? I've never gotten to, to that particular point. But of course, yes, there were times when I was sad. I'm not sure whether it's called depression or not, but there was times when I was sad, I was unable to sleep, unable to eat, because there were things on my mind. You know, there were there were, there were there were certain things on mm-hmm. on my mind which was just preventing me from uh, from functioning, mm-hmm. as 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 you mentioned. Yeah. But eventually, I got out of it, and it never actually bothered me again. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it's not really depression. <laughs> Yourself? He's only got two out of five. Yeah, I've got four out of five. <laughs> yeah, so something is wrong. <laughs> uh. okay. I tell you, what, we we can make this a private counseling session. <laughs> just go back and disappear. session here I think um, depression depression hits a very personal chord for me um, ma- mainly because um, I've been exposed um, to many people uh, who you know, uh, 
actually secretly it's what made me want to be a doctor to begin with uh, mainly because back in secondary school I don't know why but everyone seems to come to me they see this you can talk to me sign here and they will tell me about their girlfriend problem boyfriend problem mother problem why didn't you become a psychiatrist then I said because you want to charge wait 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 then I said this is cool and then I talked to them then they solved their own problems then I said this is cool I'll put you on a couch with a clock just like in the movies and I'll charge you for it charge you for it charge you that's how shallow I was I'm now be very honest that's how shallow I was then I went into med school and it's very sneaky. They put psychiatry on your final year. Yeah. And on the final year, I realized, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Do I quit med school? Or do I just finish off one year? Yeah, let's just finish it off. And yeah. you know, whatever it is, I am here, I am. But uh, coming back, why I say depression is close to me? Because I have um, many friends um, who are very depressed. They are on medication, right? They're on medication. They sometimes don't admit it, but anyway, uh, but also um, there was uh, an instance where someone actually took their life and this is something that I'll be open up, opening it up weirdly on, 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 on the show rather than in real life is that uh, even myself, I, I went through a phase of, I would say, depression um, in med school. so. Uh, what happened was that um, I couldn't focus, couldn't study, um, had, had social issues and every day was just thinking about what's my purpose here and when I try to talk to people, the one thing they always tell me is don't worry, you will snap out of it, relax, listen to music, have a cup of tea, take a hot bath. Nobody was really interested to hear what I have to say and these are people closest to me. Uh, and they said, oh, you're, you seem smart. You seem smart. Uh, they don't realize that you know, whoever it is, uh, it will just hit you. Mm -hmm. And it hits you when you are quiet, when you're alone. Um, I actually planned my suicide. Okay, so uh, this is five out of five. That's five out yes, of five. Yes, five out of five, really. But a psychiatrist cured me. Because I went to see my psychiatrist and I really want to talk it out. Um, and they said, oh, well, the psychiatrist gave me like 20 minutes and he says, why don't you write down everything into a book and I'll see you in the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't want to come back to see you again. <laughs> I snapped myself out of it and came back to life. Luckily. Yeah, because I didn't have time to want to talk to him again. Because I, I, to be honest, at that point of time, I think I was very selfish. It was all about me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that people who suffer from, from sadness or depression are selfish, but it's my perspective, mm -hmm. was that I wanted to be coddled, nurtured, someone to just pat you and say, it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. you know? So let me ask you, Ali, was it difficult to make that decision to go and see a psychiatrist? Oh, it's very, very difficult. Mm. Hence, anyone I know who's seeing a psychiatrist, I know it's not easy to make that decision and to step in. It's very courageous. But conversely, mm -hmm. here comes my funny friends who see a psychiatrist mm -hmm. because they thought it was trendy, because they needed someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. 
they have no depression. <laughs> okay? That's like you calling her once in a while, chit-chatting lah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway. But you wouldn't know, you know. But so yeah, we wouldn't really know, but, but it's not easy to actually um, make that conscious decision. Um, I, I would say it's harder to, to decide to see a psychiatrist, right. to admit, of course, that exactly. especially if you, you, you can consider yourself as functional mm. and still say, I need to see, I need to speak to someone. And I think it's, uh, for me, I'm, I've got a very big ego. So, Inky knows. Mm, yeah. Huge, yeah. huge, because it reflects yeah. off him anyway. Oh, I think it's a little bit smaller. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so what, one of the things I want to ask is because as as he was saying mm-hmm. that, it was very difficult for him to bring himself to see a psychiatrist. Why is that? Why are people so fearful of meeting a psychiatrist? So, Ellie, this would have been can I safely say, 10, 15 years ago. Med school. More than that, like that's a lifetime away. Okay, never mind. Anyway. Yeah. Eighteen years ago. Okay. So yeah, oh no. eighteen yeah, yeah. years ago. A lifetime ago, away. And now, to this day, eighteen years later, I still see people who are very afraid to make that step. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what is it about our society that makes it difficult? to be open about mental illness, about depression, mm-hmm. right? Okay, uh, let's talk a bit about our um, Asian culture perhaps, okay. right? Okay, so uh, number one, we are always, well traditionally, um, kind of brought up not to question, mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. question elders, not to question people in authority like our teachers or even our superiors at work. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we are often told that things were worse in my day. You know, mm-hmm. you've got yes. it easy now, mm-hmm. right? So what are you complaining about? Okay, number two. Number three, let me ask you this. Have you guys ever been compared to like relatives? How did this guy do in his exams? Yeah, yeah all, all the time. Right? Yeah, all, all the time. time. All the time. All the time. In right, fact, even was it, neighbor. It goes, <laughs> it goes even on to your working you, life. You see, yeah. every day, you know, walk out the door, he smiles at you, you go. <laughs> So this comparison, so there is such high pressure in our, there's such high societal pressure there for us to uh, do well, be ahead of the rat race, um, for us to just take things in our stride and sweep everything else under the carpet. And if you even quiver a little, it's like you're weak. Mm. Okay. It's a sign of mm. weakness, All right. which actually leads to why we have this stigma. Mm. about depression mm-hmm. right so imagine if you cannot come home and tell your parents that you got 90 over 100 okay mm-hmm. for a math quiz you know instead of six how are you going to come home and tell your parents that i'm having difficulties with someone teasing me in school mm. um, i don't understand what my teacher is teaching me how are you going to mm. open up about stuff like that if you're so scared mm-hmm. right quite stressful and quite stressful um, <laughs> my dad just says, is it above 18? <laughs> so, um, so that is one part of it. So you can imagine someone suppressing all of this all mm. their lives into their adulthood and one day just blowing over, you know, and with very catastrophic consequences, right? So why don't we talk about it? So that's the stigma. We don't talk about it because 
we are kind of conditioned to think that it's a sign of weakness. Okay. If you're depressed, um, if you're having problems, you're weak. You should toughen up. Um, uh, so that's why people with mental illness tend to isolate themselves because they're afraid to open up. Mm -hmm. They're afraid that if they're going to open up to someone, they're admitting that they're weak or they're afraid of the judgment that they're going to be getting, mm -hmm. what are people going to say. Mm -hmm. So this is why it is so difficult for people to take that step, which they don't realize is actually very courageous to seek that help that you need. I, I, like, I like how you put it um, that way. Um, because now, to open up, or more like someone who's on the receiving end, mm. it doesn't just become a psychiatrist or a psychologist's responsibility. Uh, I think they should be like even, they're not first-liners. They're yeah, like yeah, second-liners, third-liners. Yeah. The first-liner is always the people closest to you. Mm. The ones that you put the immediate blind trust. Mm -hmm. um, and like you mentioned, Ali, mm -hmm. for yourself, you were a little bit disappointed that the people around you did not give you the support that you had hoped for, yeah. right? Mm. So this is where we talk about um, everyone being a part of it. Mm. Yeah? So that's why what we should do is normalize talking about it. So um, children don't have to worry about going home and telling their parents, hey, you know, this, 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 this thing happened at school. Um, uh, I got scolded at school for this. Yeah, so then you talk about it, what happened, what, what led to that. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't just sweep it under the carpet and say, yeah, you know what, deal with it, or I don't have time to listen to you. So we need to normalize talking about it okay. so that people know what it's about. Um, and if you see someone who you think is depressed, um, the first thing I guess you can try to do is, when we say be there for them, is that sometimes people take time to open up, right? So it doesn't mean that you go there and you should have the expectation that they're going to sit down and just pour their heart out to you. Mm -hmm. But always show them that you're there in the back means You're waiting for when they are ready to open up and talk about it. Um, and support when you, and the most important thing, like I mentioned earlier, when they do open up to you, be non-judgmental. Just listen. Sometimes all they need is someone to listen. Mm -hmm. right? That sometimes you know takes such a whole load off, you know. So just be there. Just listen. Mm -hmm. If you feel that they are in immediate danger, suicidal. Mm -hmm. Okay, they are leaving suicide notes. They keep saying that I can't take this alone. End my life. That is life threatening. Mm -hmm. So that one you need to do something immediately. All right. Okay. Call up helpline. Call up nine nine nine. Okay. Mm -hmm them to emergency services. Um, for those who you feel okay have not reached that point, they've op opened up to you, try and encourage them to seek professional help. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's what you can do. And then do very practical things to help them. Things like, simple things like, okay, you have the time, uh, drive them to their appointments. If you're living with them, take a look at the medication, help them out with the medication. Encourage them to uh, be regular with their uh, meal times be regular with their sleep patterns. Uh, encourage them to exercise mm -hmm. a little bit, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. A little bit goes a long way. And uh, try to get them back to do things that um, used to make them happy in the past. You know, try to keep them engaged is, is the message really. Mm -hmm. One of the common uh, statements um, that I would encounter um, is when we speak to someone who's depressed and they say, you don't understand. Mm. Mm. You don't understand. Yeah. It's 
it itself is a, uh, not just a barrier, but mm-hmm. it's a frustration to the person listening, mm-hmm. the person who wants to give That's time. Right. You, know, we, uh, you listen, you don't judge, mm. and all you do is listen. And if you give a comment, they may say that, but sometimes even without comment, mm. they will reach a point where they'll just go, I don't know why am I talking to you. You'll never understand. Yeah, because you're not depressed. So how, how should we approach that? We must realize that that could actually part, be part of their illness itself, part of the depression itself. Okay. Um, so that's why I said earlier, they may not be immediately ready to open up to mm-hmm. you, but kind of show that you're always there, so that when they reach that point that they feel that, okay, hey, I think I'm ready to open up to someone, who is that person going to be? You know that this person is going to be here. So are you guys going to be around for each other? Yeah, yeah always. <laughs> that's why so. it's called, a, it, that, that's why it's called the, the two dogs. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the thing. Just, you have to have that patience to understand. So that's why understanding is, is important. Mm-hmm. So be ready for them for when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Or another thing is, which I also see from a lot of people, is that um, they fear that they are burdening other people mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they unload their problems on them. Mm-hmm. So that's why they keep it to themselves. They don't want to open up to their spouses. They don't want to open up to their parents, to their family, to their closest friends. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... What I always tell them at that point is that, see, that's why, um, you know, wouldn't it be better uh, uh, for you if you came and saw someone who um, you didn't uh, have any, you know, real, uh, what do you mean, like very close ties with? No prejudice. They just listen to you. Who will look at it very Mm -hmm. objectively. Mm, You know, whom you won't, you don't have to be afraid of um, judging you or what they're going to say or or yeah you know anything like that you don't have to worry so this is when i tell them that so like let's say if someone told you that you know you may say that okay you know if you don't feel comfortable talking to me how about if we talk to someone who may be a little bit more you know objective about it or mm-hmm. like you know um, uh, you know so you don't have that pressure of feeling like oh i'm burdening i mean you don't feel burdened i think talking to your psychiatrist or mm-hmm. a counselor right so that's when I would kind of slip that in and say, yeah, how about if we talk to someone else? Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up was mm-hmm. postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Now, postpartum depression is a very real thing. It happens to a lot of people. I don't have For it, sure. but I don't have it. The guy. There's male postpartum yeah, depression. Yeah, yeah. There actually there is. is. There actually there is. is. And I think we should address that. Yeah, okay. We okay. should address that. Okay, so now we're going to talk about postpartum depression. So postpartum depression, um, like the word suggests, um, it's actually, it actually happens after delivery. Okay. All right. It's rarely talked about. And um, a lot of times, again, you know, it happens majority to, to women, but it happens to, to, to guys as well. As well. <laughs> However, why isn't it or i would say why isn't it so wide spoken because i think a lot of moms new uh, new moms to be or even if they, even if they have multiple children really there's always this pressure on them especially when the kids are young and all so what okay what what is the percentage of it do you think you know that people actually have postpartum depression all right well, um, 
it is said that uh, a recent uh, meta-analysis worldwide said that one in ten women suffer from what we call perinatal depression. Okay. So perinatal is when you develop uh, depression mm -hmm. either when you're pregnant and uh, and or the onset is up to a month post delivery. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, uh, one in ten, right? And really um, having a newborn is one of the biggest challenges for a woman, really speaking. Just imagine your your whole life is just turned topsy turvy. Mm. <laughs> really? You're a mom yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're a mom yourself. So I know exactly how it mm. feels. I mean, you have this uh, another person whom you have to be responsible for. Um, you're not getting enough sleep. You're not um, taking your meals on time. Sometimes the only real time you get to yourself is that five to ten minutes you have in the shower. That's the only time you get to yourself to just kind of gather your thoughts. Breastfeeding is another big challenge. So many, many challenges for women, right, when, they, uh, when they're postpartum. And, like I said, biopsychosocial, biologically, mm. all right, there have been correlations with the changes in the hormonal levels yes. post-delivery. So it is said that um, 72 hours post-delivery is when you see a sudden crash of your hormones. Okay, mm -hmm. They increase like tenfold while you're pregnant and your estrogen, progesterone, your prolactins drop. Mm -hmm. Okay, So just imagine the, the, the mood swings that, yes. that this woman is going to go through. right? So um, baby blues is pretty common, all right. Um, so you um, you feel anxious about your newborn, about taking care of um, a whole little life in your hands. You feel overwhelmed, right? Suddenly it's like, wow, there are a million things I need to know because really the only way you're going to to learn how to manage is really to experience yeah. it. Mm -hmm. you, you learn know? on the job. No matter how much, yes, no matter how much you try and prepare it's still going to be a challenge, mm. right? But when does it become postpartum depression, all right? So sometimes, like you said, why is it not much talked about? Perhaps one reason could be is that um, the symptoms are very similar to um, a woman having just had a baby. So after having a baby, naturally you don't get enough sleep. Mm. Naturally your meal times are all over mm. the place. Naturally, you feel fatigued. Mm -hmm. Naturally, you have difficulty focusing at times, right? Um, but after a few days, yes, you kind of get into the trend. After a couple of weeks, you're, 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 you've gotten into that trend of, okay, these are the things I need to do. I think I'm okay, all right? You will have those ups and downs mm -hmm. coming off and on, but still you're able to do what you need to do. Um, but when it comes to post uh, when it comes to postnatal depression, again, you, your functioning starts to go down. So you're not able to do the things you're supposed to be doing. Um, you feel you don't, sometimes you feel you don't want to look at your baby at all. Okay. You're starting to neglect your baby, all right? And the mother and newborn connection is um, disrupted. Mm -hmm. okay. Which that, in fact, can lead to a lot of developmental problems in the child mm. later on. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So... Uh, it may even get so bad as you feel that I, I just can't, like you said earlier, I just can't do this, man. I just cannot. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm not good enough. This is hopeless. 
I just can't do it. You think of ending your life. Mm-hmm. Where still, you think of doing it to yourself and your and baby. And the baby. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, um, which is why it is very important to have um, the support that you need um, after delivery. Mm-hmm. But of course, there are certain uh, uh, factors that increase your risk of uh, having postpartum depression. That is, um, if you have had uh, depression in the past, a history of depression. Um, if it was an unwanted pregnancy, mm-hmm. if you were ambivalent about getting mm-hmm. pregnant, mm-hmm. Um, if you're a single mother, mm-hmm. um, if you have hostile in-laws mm-hmm. or an unsupportive spouse. Mm-hmm. So all these factors play a role. You see, there's so much of data and uh, so many uh, known facts about postpartum depression, maternal postpartum depression. <laughs> See how she laughs now because she's a bit nervous, yeah. Because 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 the question is oh. going to come out very soon. You want to make it about yourselves again? Yeah, you know, you know, he his own postpartum depression. It's not me. It's never about me. Go ahead, Ellie. It's, it's never right. about me. Yeah, you yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she won't bill you. No, 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 no. She's not going to bill you this time. What what, what I mean is, um, I was having a discussion and and. For me, depression is like a wheel. Once it starts, it's very hard to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. Of course, you try. You might slow it down, mm-hmm. but it's a wheel that goes on. But the cop before that, this, the other wheel is the uh, sadness, yeah. the adjustment, mm-hmm. uh, inability adjustment, to adjust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This thing spins on a daily motion. Mm-hmm. When it gets out of hand, then the second one starts to turn. Okay. And when the second one turns, unfortunately, then it's a bit more difficult to manage. So when we come back to uh, postpartum depression, we know so much about the ladies, now the men. Why I say it's because times have changed. Mm. True. Once upon a time, it's a lady's problem. You gave birth, you need to breastfeed, I can't breastfeed. You would change the diaper, you would do everything. But the modern day father has changed. Um, why I say because because... Um, one of my staff is expecting, and the husband uh, is so supportive. He's the one that shops for everything. He looks for the bottles, he looks for the car seat, and she just sits back and just waits for the delivery. Mm. Down to the clothes. He starts picking out the clothes that he wants for, for the soon-to-be-born baby. So there's a lot more involvement of the modern fathers or the fathers-to-be right. these days. Um, and I went through a very short phase, not depression or anything, but a bit of an adjustment disorder. Adjustment mm-hmm. disorder. Sure. When my son was born, all he wants was the mom. Mm-hmm. Mom, 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 mom. And you, know, you, you thought that you want to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want. <laughs> Screams in my ear. The record was three and a half hours. She was just screaming as, as my wife was away working. <laughs> I want to be the nice dad. I said, ah, it's okay. We don't need to send to the babysitter. I'll pick him up, put him in the car. He starts screaming through jam along Jalan Bangsa from one end all the way back home. It was an hour and a half in the car, enclosed space. And he was just one side. Arrive home, doesn't want to feed, check the diapers, nothing wrong with him. <laughs> And I tried to talk to him and I asked him, what's wrong with you? Give me a sign. There's nothing. But, and, and I say this because we sh- something should be done, 
or at least mm-hmm. the expectations of fathers to be mm-hmm. uh, should be adjusted so that they know sometimes it's really not their fault. You know, mm-hmm. chill out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may have to find weird ways to to put your child or calm them down. All right, right? at least you put them down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, um, <coughs> last time I I used to tell my wife just let the kid cry. You know, because it's 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 because is this. We are so preoccupied in soothing the mm. child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that at times we forget that crying is part of their nature. They cry. It's just part of their communication, but we don't want them to cry because when they cry, it makes us look like bad parents. A lot of times, you just let the kid cry. Mm-hmm. And after a while, the kid will slowly, slowly adjust mm-hmm. and the kid will, slow, will, will actually tone it down. So he's the kind of father yeah, who will I would just leave it. I would just leave the kid there. He's so the kind of father who will write the book. Easy parent. Yes, easy parent. Step two. Cry. Step two. Walk out the room. <laughs> step three. Peace and quiet. Ah, three steps. I will write for you the correct manual that says there's no correct. The man says there's no. Whatever you do, you try, and then suddenly the mom walks in. Silence. No. Then you pick it up. And the baby pick it up. Then you pick it up again. It's an adjustment for everyone. We have to acknowledge that, certainly. So, yes, the women need their support. Yeah, so men can help in very practical ways. Washing bottles, you know how long that takes. So, yes, washing bottles. You can help with that. You can help change the nappies. Um, And, of course, um, it's a change for you too, right? Being a dad. It's a huge, it's a huge new thing. So, yes, we do acknowledge the good daddies out there who, who persevere through three and a half hours of screaming in the year while mommy's not around. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, I found out how to shut my son up. Oh, dear. Really? Did you have, did you yeah, have yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. go did, on YouTube did, to did you have to uh, ask Inky? Did, did you have to offer your, your oh, chest in some way? Hey, because, surprisingly, a friend of mine actually did that. And it worked. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw the post after that. Because, apparently, so, so according to him, is because the sun will, will nurse before the sun sleeps off. Right. So it's more like a habit. Habits, but right. on that particular sun day, yes, the sun was suckling. But on that particular day, the wife was not around, the sun was crying, and he was, well, he was in, uh, he was in desperate need. Okay. So he said, you know, I have to to cover his shirt, suckle the nose of the child, and however the child didn't stop. Interestingly enough, nipples. I'm not sure, have you seen, um, the, the Japanese came out with with fake boobs for the dad. Oh, no one I, so I like haven't seen. So it's like two silicone breasts, yeah. hangs around the neck, and you just fill it up with, with, with milk. The, the milk, the yeah. express milk. That's, that's, <laughs> that's smart, that's smart. Let the Japanese think of something. That, that is smart. One fine day will be Daiso. Yeah, yeah that, that is fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Move away from the stick. Yeah, so anyway, for uh, with my son, I eventually decided, okay, you can cry, I'm gonna do my squats. At least I'll get nice good ties as you cry. So, so you see, did parenting one-on-one. So parenting what I did. The only difference was I walked out of the room, he just did squats. Did squats. Yeah. But then he usually would shut up when I hit 300. And you know how painful that is. It's either he I collapse or he will collapse. Thank God he stopped like, at 300. Like, wow. <laughs> Gymnosis and he slowly just kind of... Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. after many years, I actually did a, a analysis. Then I realized, <laughs> you know how when we were young, we were in that why the yeah. tiger's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the child always falls mm. asleep. But now it's just that it's dangerous, it falls. Yeah, it falls, it hits, you're not supposed to swing. So that I figured maybe that was why he fell asleep. It was nothing to do with me squat, my mm. sweat. Mm-hmm. Could be the voice that you're going one, two, <laughs> and it gets slower and slower because it's getting more painful to do after a certain number, right? Mm. But probably but it that's you. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing, you know? Well, no, that's, that's that's just walk out of the room. Just let them cry. Alright. So so but 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 that's a topic for another day. That's parenting. <laughs> that's thing. Yeah. 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 Sadness or frustration, and then leading to some amount of depression. Mm-hmm. You know how when people look at um, someone else, you know mm-hmm. he takes talk better than me. Yeah, I yeah. dance like a Caillou, and he dances a little smooth every day. And you know he's got thirty thousand yeah followers. Ridiculous! I think I think if I if I if I update my app now, it's about it's about thirty k. Yeah. yeah, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so social media, you see that. So this is of course very much talked about because social media is very much a way of our life now, mm. right? So um, uh, many studies have been done, but um, we can't really see uh, a true cause and effect relation, but there are associations. Um, so it has been shown that um, the more time you spend on social media, uh, the higher um, likelihood of you having a mental illness, right? So let's examine social media, mm-hmm. right? Oh, wait, wait, again, can you repeat that last line? Because I know some guy who's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> these, these, these people are just full of themselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So um, coming back to social media. Yeah, social yes. media. Right. So let's examine social media and see. What, what are its qualities that could probably lead to some amount of depression, right? So, of course, it's not all bad. Yeah, there are a lot of positives. Look at us now, right? Mm. Right here, right True. now. Yep. We are yep. using True. it as a platform yep. to talk about something which we feel is worthwhile, mm-hmm. right? So it's a really good platform, right? To, um, to talk about things, right? Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful tool of um, keeping Keeping in touch with people, um, um, finding long lost friends you haven't met in years. It's a great way to be in touch with your family and friends, keeping up to date with what's happening with them, especially now in this in this era of COVID nineteen, yeah. right? So a lot of physical distancing, but not necessarily social distancing. Okay, and um, it's also a tool for a lot of people to express themselves. Uh, creativity, a lot comes from that. It's also widely used as a learning tool, and it's also a way people market themselves, mm. market their goods. So a lot of positives, but what then are the negatives, right? So, social media is a platform where people can project a certain persona about themselves, right? And a lot of the time, what they project is all the good stuff. Right, so we're only looking at the happy, the good aspects of their lives. All right, 
um, people don't necessarily want to share the downsides of their life, the challenges that they're facing. All right. So similarly, when we look at other people's profiles, that's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. That's what's yeah. being generated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, wow, this person is changing his car every year. This person is going traveling all the time, you know. So we forget that um, lots of the pictures online doctored, manipulated, mm -hmm. you know, yes. right? Yeah. So we don't, we don't realize that others are doing it. Um, so uh, we forget that while we are also projecting all these positives, but we have our certain challenges. We forget that other people are also doing the same. So we keep thinking that, wow, their lives are awesome. You know, what's happening with my life? Mm -hmm. So then comes this, what we call FOMO, fear yeah. of missing out, mm. right? So you feel like, why does my life doesn't feel as good as someone else's? How come they can, they, they seem to be have, uh, doing so much better than, than I seem to be doing, right? And then, then comes this constant, um, um, this constant uh, checking, right? You keep checking your your social media every now and then, every few seconds, every minute. You need to check and, and be updated with what people are, um, are doing, what's happening in their lives, you know. And then you tend to want to post things that you feel are going to um, have lots of likes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. chasing likes. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes these things can have really serious consequences. You know, yeah. like mm -hmm. I know people who like compulsively check their their social media while they're driving. Mm. How dangerous that yeah, can yeah, be. This. Yeah. So, um, so when you see all that, next comes this sense of isolation. You, you, you. Okay, you wake up in the morning. You're checking your your first thing you do. Okay, you open your Facebook. Ah, bunch of friends had dinner without me. Mm -hmm. you start to feel isolated. Okay. 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 So all those layers, you know. Wow, the persona that person seems to be having such a great time. Why doesn't my life seem as good as that? Oh, now they're hanging out without me. You know. So then all this tied in together. Aren't you surprised that people might feel depressed, mm. down about what's happening with them? So what should we do? Should we, should we tell people cut down your social media time? Mm -hmm. Or should we tell them block the people you don't like? <laughs> or, really or, should, should, or should influencers actually take a step back mm -hmm. and maybe once a week, once a month, show the real life? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. The real life of... of you, you, you think this is great, but mm. I actually doctored half my photos. Uh, you know, it looks like I've got a nice thing, but actually I've got a nice videographer following me. Yeah, so the best shots come out, you know. It, so. it, it didn't just so happen, I was walking in the street. You, you get that all the time. Yeah. Walking in the street and some camera, perfect angle, shoots them with no traffic at the back. Oh my God, I love those photos, you know. Uh, huh. They call it what? The uh, Instagram hus husbands. Instagram husbands. Instagram yeah. husbands. Ah. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. You yeah. have Instagram wise? I don't have an Instagram no, husband. You start Instagram. <laughs> 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 Alright. So, 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 in our life um, needs to be balanced, right? So we know there's a lot of positive in it, social mm -hmm. media, but uh, we have to be aware also of um, the negative consequences. If you find that um, your usage of social media is once again getting in the way of um, uh, you doing other things, for example, you might tell yourself that, oh, hey, it's bedtime, I, let me just, you know, one last scroll before I go, go to sleep. So what should have taken you two minutes takes you two hours. And the next thing you know, I'm like, 
oh my god, I only have five hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning, you're tired. Mm -hmm. You're late for work. Mm -hmm. Get to work, you can't focus. Mm -hmm. All right? Um, and that's how the trend goes. You know, how many of us are like, ah, I'll just check for like a couple of minutes and then you end up 10 or what, five minutes ends up being an hour. Mm -hmm. You know? So then, you know, a lot of the time people now they say, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I don't yeah. have time. I don't have time to meet. Um, I don't have time to read that book. I'm so tired. Yeah. Maybe we don't realize mm -hmm. that a lot of our time is going to social media. Yeah, right? yeah. Spend you because doing useless stuff. It seems to we think in our minds that it's just going to be five minutes and then it ends up being an hour, two hours. You know. So, um, yeah, there should be a balance. If you find that it's getting in the way of your 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 time with your friends. Um, time for you to engage in the activities that you used to before, reading, watching a movie. Um, you, you find that you're not even going out and meeting your friends anymore. You find you're not getting enough sleep because you're always just uh, on your phone. Um, then I think it's you need to re-examine what are your motives for being on social media? What are you doing? Do you really need to spend that much time mm. on it? Yeah, so... Um, the other one is also quite depressing. You know, I've, um, I, I saw recently um, oh, not recently, actually, it happens very often. Um, <laughs> couples who go out, okay, and ah. they talk to each other for like uh. 30 minutes, and when the food arrives, they start taking photos. Okay. And then from then on, there's no more talk. I mean, they're on each other's phone, you know. I'm sitting across you, yeah. we're having dinner, and I think that's depressing. I feel depressed <laughs> for them. <laughs> I would actually tell you, right, um, the amount of times uh, when, when I actually see when people go out on, on dates and all, mm. even even friends, uh, even even friends, mm. they go on a group, yeah. nobody's talking. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's just on their phones, they're Keep texting. Good angle. Well, even it, it's <laughs> just answering, sometimes, just yeah, it's just answering, uh, probably answering stuff on WhatsApp or, or right. on their social media, not even talking to one another. When the food comes, they eat and then they mm. just continuously just check their phones and then mm. they go about, about mm. their, their days. Yeah. yeah. So if we think that it's um, getting in the way of our lives, well, I hear that nowadays there are actually these apps which actually track how long you're using your social media yeah. yep. a day. So yep. if you are actually on the path to trying to reduce your usage, um, that would be a good way. Mm -hmm. So you know, okay, you start with, oh, I'm using five, six hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, let's try and cut that gradually. Mm -hmm. So maybe you give yourself a task of like, okay, I'll decrease it by 30 minutes. So mm. you set that limit for mm. yourself. I'm mm. only going to spend four and a half hours on mm. social media. And then you gradually go down and reduce it, reduce it. And then um, maybe turn off your notifications for certain things. So you don't need to be notified about yeah, what your friend is eating, where your friend is eating like all the time, right? I mean, maybe cut down on some mm. of the notifications. Okay. What if you want him to order for you and you know, send back to the office? You would invite Someone were to want to, someone who has a little bit of issues, depression or something, and would like to seek for professional help, mm. what what is the first step they should do? Okay. Professional help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Professional help. Um, there's actually a lot of help available. Mm -hmm. Um, number one, uh, one step would be like we talked about uh, your counsellors at the school level, at the um, college, university levels. Even a lot of companies have their in-house um, counsellors. So uh, for those group of people, that could be one step. 
first step because the counselors uh, will be aware when they should refer to uh, a psychiatrist mm -hmm. right so all um, uh, uh, you can go to any of our government health care uh, facilities right the clinic kesehatan our hospitals all are equipped with such services um, if you go to the clinic kesehatan for example if they feel that you need uh, to see a psychiatrist they will refer you accordingly mm -hmm. all right so um, the university hospitals have uh, the facilities the government hospitals have the facilities um, if we're talking about helplines there are also a number of helplines so there is befrienders Mm -hmm. right, there's Befrienders, you can find a lot of information about them online. Uh, there is uh, Talian mm -hmm. as well, um, which you can give a call to. Um, and uh, uh, there's even um, another uh, group called Miasa, which is the Mental Illness uh, Awareness Society. Yeah, so there are a lot of people doing a lot of things uh, out there. But um, the best would be just go to your nearest uh, doctor. It can be your general GP. Um, it can be someone in the government health clinic, it can be someone in any of the hospitals. They will attend to you for sure. No one is going to turn you away. Could okay. be your aesthetic doctor too. Yeah, could be your aesthetic. hair transplant doctor as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, how much do you charge for a counselling session? Oh, it depends how much hair you do. <laughs> <laughs> the counselling is free. The counselling is free. free. The counselling comes after. Just lie down and, and show me your hair, that's it. All right, all right. So, okay, guys, I think we've, uh, we've been around for quite a while already. Um, any last minute that you want, last minute stuff you want to add? Um, well, I think probably I, my, my take home message, and we'll, we'll probably mm -hmm. do a round table. Uh, my take home message um, for anyone who is um, having some kind of sadness, uh, whether you are depressed or not, number one is change the way that you want to label yourself. Don't call yourself depressed. Don't, don't, don't say, I'm depressed. Um, say, I'm sad. Acknowledge that it's sadness and it's normal to be sad. It's normal to be frust. It's safer to say, aku frust daripada aku stress. Um, because, uh, sorry, aku frust daripada aku depressed. Um, aku sedih and not um, aku depressed. Aku geram, not aku depressed. Because the words that you use on a daily basis will change your mindset. And if you keep telling yourself, you're depressed, you're depressed, you're depressed, eventually you start doing, going online, you start looking for what is depression. And when you see the guides and five of it, like me, four of it, I'm going through on a daily basis, I might just say, I'm depressed. And in actual fact, maybe it was not as bad as, bad as it was. It's just that mentally, I've already put myself at a very low stage, very vulnerable. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two, um, talk it out. Really, really talk it out. Um, doesn't matter if anyone's listening or not. Hopefully, they listen well. Um, but talk it out. Um, don't keep it inside because yeah. that frustration, that that pressure, will one day explode. Uh, more like implode. It goes from inside out, and you might just lose it. And thirdly, is anyone who has someone um, that wants to open up to you, you should give them the respect of time and to listen to them but also know your limitations because we are all humans uh, anyway if you can't handle it if the that whatever the person who's sad talks to you and you can't handle it then say why don't let's go see someone else together or i'll recommend you someone or let's find ad additional help for you don't just brush them off and say um 
don't make light of their situation because it's not easy for anyone to want to open up. Um, and I think the final one, I just want to just push it in, um, is uh, young adults who are having sort of like perceived um, pressure, especially from parents. Um, it's a very common thing um, that parents with their expectations, parents are humans too, they've got expectations, they've got disappointment, they've got sadness. Unfortunately, when it comes up from their mouth as children, we would feel extra sensitive. It's like, if my dad said that I'm not very bright, versus Dr. Inky called me very, not very bright, I would just ignore him, you know, block. But my dad, I will block him and then I will go, am I really not very bright? Why am I not very bright? Why my own father call me not very bright? Well, Dr. Inky calls me not very bright, it's like, hey, it's okay, you're not that bright also. Yeah, I always... We, 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 I mean, this is an example, right? It's not true. He's, he he, 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 he me too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my take. That's your uh, okay. take. So I agree with you on uh, all your points, actually. So I think the main thing is to speak about. Speak about your issues. A lot of times, um, um, a lot of this pent-up frustration, pent-up sadness, eventually will lead into uh, clinical, de clinical depression or or other forms of um, mental health issues, always find someone to talk to, all right? whether it can be your spouse, your siblings, your family, your friends, or if you have no one to talk to, you can always talk to someone neutral. Uh, you can talk to a psychologist, you can, uh, you can talk to a counselor, or you can talk to a psychiatrist, but always find someone to talk to. Because even myself, you know, uh, my natural habit is when I have an issue, I keep it to myself. And the more problems I have, the more I keep to myself, then it eventually will manifest into some um, some issues with my daily life. And I actually find that every time I talk it out, not only do I offload this particular um, feeling of sadness, sometimes I even get um, solutions back. Mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of times that we feel that we have the best solutions for our problems, actually, it's not true. Other people have them as well. And that is, from your aspect. Second aspect is how we project ourselves onto others. As Dr. Ali was saying, as parents, your words um, hold a higher weight yes. um, um, uh, to your kids. So choose your words properly when you speak to your family. You know whether it's to your own dad. Mm. You know maybe 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 you speak very harshly to, to your own father or, or your mom. Choose your words properly when you speak to speaking to your spouse. You know, things, uh, you might have certain frustrations, but you use, probably the words that you use can be a little bit too harsh. Mm -hmm. You know, do be careful when speaking to your friends or your kids, mm -hmm. especially to, uh, to, to young children or even young teenagers who sometimes take things very literally. Even sometimes you don't mean it. You, you don't mean it. You sometimes, something as simple as they come in and they disturb you and you're working and you just, Instead of asking them nicely to leave the room, you tell them to get out. You know, something as harsh as, as something as simple to you mm -hmm. might be something harsh to them. So, you know, you have to choose your words properly. You know, you have to think things through, and uh, don't allow emotions to cloud your judgment. Uh. Hmm. Nice. Did we get it right? Nice. Right. You know, I, I was <laughs> going to point that out. So, um, talking about depression, right? So we've spent a good one hour talking about it. So um, just to show the seriousness of it, um, the World Health Organization um, research by them has shown that 
more than 260 million people worldwide are suffering from depression. Yeah. Mm. Um, in Malaysia itself, uh, the prevalence is about 8 to 12 percent. So it is a very real illness. Right? And I like the fact that what both of you got out of this is to talk, mm. to talk about it. Uh, in fact, uh, the WHO in 2016 came up with their depression campaign and it was called Let's Talk. Mm. To me, that is really very apt because the most important thing is for us to talk about it, for us to normalize talking about depression, to normalize parents talking to children about depression. Um, uh, parent, uh, sorry, children talking to their elderly parents about depression, um, colleagues talking to each other about depression. So once we talk about it and um, it becomes a way of uh, um, uh, our life to, to talk about these issues, um, once we understand what it's about and how to recognize them, once we know where to seek help for ourselves, once we know how to support someone else who needs help, then we have really reached the stage where it has really reached all levels of society on how we can help each other. So let's continue to talk. So that's what we're doing. So yeah, that's why This is therapy for me, actually. It's actually therapy for me. Yeah, I've got four or five, so I need to talk yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Come on, don't worry, you can always drop by. You can, you can always talk to me. Fine. You yeah, I, I, will, I, will, I will stop insulting you. You can always talk to me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you everyone uh, for tuning in. And, well, um, I think today we just want to raise the awareness and talk about depression in different perspective, different light, just throw in some, some uh, humor here and there and just see it differently in a more less clinical way in some, uh, some aspect, mm -hmm. also paying some importance into the uh, importance of clinical psychiatry. And we would love to. We like to thank uh, Dr. Kohini um, very much for yeah, taking thank you time. so much for coming. Sure. Thank so you much for of her perspective. Me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Thank you everyone, so we would uh, catch us next week and we will be updating you with the next topic. So, see yeah. you and have a good weekend. See you, see everyone. <laughs>